You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Triple Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This is a show that started out only talking about sex and disability. It was a podcast that was dedicated to exploring the ins and outs of sex and disability because we don't talk about that hardly at all. But as the show has grown, I realized that Disability After Dark could shine a light on so many other things about disability we don't talk about, and that was really exciting. So, now, this show is a show that will shine a light on the experience of disability, whether we're talking about sexuality, accessibility, or anything and everything in between. Come shine a bright light on all things disability with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com, 
you're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in dark pod that's d-a-r-k-p-o-d at checkout and you're going to get one item almost anything in the store at 50 percent off and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts absolutely free as part of your offer this is such a great deal and this is just for you disability after dark listeners and i hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm, of course, your delectable host, Andrew Grizza, your disabled dicksmith. All those things is who I am. Uh, I hope you like my new intro. I'm really excited to see where we go in terms of a more disability-centric space versus just sex and disability. So I'm just so excited and I cannot wait to, to look at the other parts of disability that we can shine a bright light on together. Thank you for going on this expanding journey of discussing disability with me. It means a lot. So get comfy, cozy, and crippled whatever that means for you, and let's get started. First things first, I want to pledge Bryson Kelp. Well, that's not right. I want to thank Bryson Kelp. Sorry about that. I want to thank Bryson Kelp for pledging $5 a month to the Build a Show tier of the program, which means that you get to sit down with me and build a show around disability and and anything that you want to share about disability. We can build a show together. We can do research. We can just have a chat, whatever you want to do to help me build an episode. And we, I'd love to do that with you. So I want to thank you for that. And my weird shout out is Bryson Kelp. You are awesome. Like the kelp in the Pacific ocean. That is surely there and I told you it would be awkward. There it is. Bryson Kelp, thank you for your $5 a month donation to keep a bright light shining on this show. If you are listening and you want to support the show or are able to financially support the show, you can pledge $1 a month to the Patreon, which will get you a shout-out like this and the shows one day early, or you can pledge $5 a month, which will get you uh, which will get you the show one day early, a weird shout-out, and the opportunity to build the show with me. And you can do all that pledging at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Really, really appreciate it. means the world. A couple more housekeeping moments that I want to share with you. I am so excited about the team of people that has come together to volunteer their time to help put together transcriptions of this show. For years, the hard of hearing and deaf community have have asked me if there are transcripts, and I had to very tearfully say no, there weren't, and I I was having to, I I tried at one point to transcribe them myself, and it was was just, did not go well. So I'm so excited that there are a team of people right now who have volunteered their time 
to transcribe some episodes. They are coming. The first episode is transcribed, and I'm just finding a way to put it up on the website properly. It'll be there very soon at andrewgerza.com. I'm also considering buying the Disability After Dark domain so that, that all those things, so disabilityafterdark.com, so that all those things can go up there and, and we can have a proper website for the show. Uh, that's something I'm exploring. But I'm, I'm just really thankful that transcriptions are finally happening. Um, yeah, all right. So I think I've rambled on enough. Now let me tell you all about today's show. On today's show, I sit down with author and sex educator Kevin Patterson, who wrote a book called Love Is Not Colorblind, where he discusses his journey of being polyamorous and black and polyamory within race, racialized communities and black communities. And that was a really great book, and you should all get on it right now. It's amazing. But I talked to him about something a little bit different today. He approached me a few months ago and said, Andrew, I want to talk to you about what it means for me to be a partner in poly relationships with people, to be a partner of people in poly relationships with disabilities. And so how do I support disabled polyamorous people as a partner? And this was a really cool thing. And he really tells me about how he can offer support to partners, how he navigates their pain, how he navigates his partners with chronic pain, how he helps them out, what it means for him to be relaxed and chill as a partner, and why he feels like he sometimes needs to be the steady heartbeat in the room. Um, it was a really fun, important conversation. I loved hearing from him how how being a partner to somebody with disabilities in a polyamorous relationship was was really important for him, and how it also changed his perspective a little bit. Um, he just was a really fun to talk to. Also, we flirt with each other for like the whole hour, so there's that to listen to. Um, I'm not going to ramble anymore. I want you to hear this interview with author and sex educator Kevin Patterson right now on Disability After Dark. Kevin Patterson, hello. Hello, how are you doing? I am so excited to have you on the show because I, you and I have been following each other now for years, and this is the first time officially in any like context where we've looked each other in the face. Yeah, yeah, and like spoke to each other using real words. I know. We've been like chatting as friends for like years on the social medias, and like I knew you existed, and like you were in my city a few months ago for five seconds, and I was like, what? This is crazy. So, like, <laughs> it's nice that we're finally chatting, and I was, I've was i been wanting to find a way to collab with you on an episode of my show, but then I was like, I wasn't sure how we can bring disability into what you do, and then you came to me with a really cool idea, and you wanted to talk about being, you wanted to talk to me about, about, about cool things, but before I get to what you want to talk about, tell me who you are. All right, well, um, I'm uh, Kevin Patterson. I, uh, I up until recently ran a blog called Poly Role Models, um, which was an interview series and people where people could express their real experiences with polyamory. I mean, it's still a thing. It's still like uh, it's still a resource that people can use. It's still the most uh, inclusive display of polyamory anywhere, but I'm not currently updating. Uh, I also write books. Um, I wrote a book called Love's Not Colorblind, Love, uh, Race and Representation in Polyamorous and Other Alternative Communities, which is uh, a breakdown of how race and polyamory intersect. 
And uh, I wrote another book, which is a queer, polyamorous, POC-centered superhero story called For Hire Operator. And my co-writer, Alana Phelan, and I are currently working on the next book in that For Hire series, which was, will be called uh, For Hire Audition. Do you need a queer, disabled superhero in that series? If you do, let me know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, real talk, like, part of what we've been doing, we've been trying to do just, like, sci-fi for the sake of sci-fi, because we're both comic book nerds, we're both geeks, we're both into sci-fi stuff, but also we want to make sure that there were, rep- uh, there were uh, identities represented in these superhero books that aren't typically represented, and we want to represent them in a way that's not, like, oh, well, they're queer, here's a coming out story for you. Here's yeah. a story about queer pains for, you know, for uh, for het consumption. Like, it's more, these are their identities, it impacts the story, but it isn't the story. Totally, and I think that, I think just in terms of, like, representation generally, when we're talking about disability, race, whatever it is, identity, identities that fall outside the margins, the stories that are just stories because they're stories, need to yes. be there and I, I love so when I, I've been kind of following like that progression of the thing and I think it's so cool um, before we go any further I think there's a responsibility that we have and we absolutely have to recognize it and appreciate it for what it is yes um, you are in the Torontos I am in the Toronto yes I am in the Philadelphias yes now between Drake and Meek Mill's beef <laughs> and and the current NBA playoffs where the Raptors and the 76ers are in the 3-3 tie yes. going into a decisive game seven. Right. I feel like there's a lot of animosity between our two areas. And it's up to us to let the healing begin with us. We have to carry, we have to bring it back. I feel like I need to preface that by saying I don't, me and sports ball, it's not a thing I care about. So... There was no animosity. There is none on my end whatsoever. I and listen, listen, Drake, Drake and I have I have some feelings about Drake, cause how are you gonna play a character that isn't really disabled on yeah. a show? So I, I I mean I mean look, if Drake wants to come down and, and suck my dick as an apology for what he did, sure. But I mean I so so look, I I have no beef again. I have no beef. I'm I'm good. Fair enough, fair enough. But I blanketly accept your... I, 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 I truce it. It's truce. Um, fair enough. We're there. Um, we're there. So, so, do you have any experience, before we get into like the, the heavy stuff of like why, the, not the heavy stuff, but the meat of why you're here today, um, do you have any experience with disability in your life? Um, from from a personal standpoint, I I don't. Okay, okay. So and that's part of why I wanted to. That's part of why I'm so excited you're here today because you approached me and said I want to talk to you about being polyamorous and having several partners with disabilities. So tell me tell me that story. Um, it's it's not something that uh it's not something that I intend to do. Uh, I'm wired a certain way that I find a lot of things attractive. Like I find, I find what makes a person who they are attractive. So like if I've got a partner with long hair, like long, natural, thick, curly hair, like, wow, this is amazing. Their hair is amazing. But then like, I'll have a partner with a shaved head and like, that's equally amazing to me. Like I find 
so many things interesting about people just being who they are. Yeah. And that just fell into me finding, uh, like, finding certain people attractive. And then it's like, oh, well, this is a person with a disability. That's cool, too. Like, that wasn't, like, like that stuff, what they, what they identify with, none of that stuff's a turn-off for me. All of that's, uh, I mean, I won't go so far to say it's a turn-on, but it's like, oh, okay, well, this makes you interesting, and that works for me. But you know what? For me, if it was a turn on, it wouldn't. That wouldn't turn me off either. I think. I think we're so quick to say like, "Oh no, you as a person turns me on," but your disability doesn't. And I think we're scared because we don't want to fetishize the person. But in my view, it's like, why can't the disability be something we're we're attracted to? So like, I hear that trepidation in your voice just now, and I, I was like, oh yeah, because because yeah. everybody like, and you're not the only one that goes there. People go there out of like, oh, they don't want to say the wrong things. So they're like. They're very careful to say, like, oh, your disability doesn't turn me on, you do, whereas I'm like, no, no, it, it can't, and that's not, a bad, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I always, uh, especially when it comes to, like, identities that I don't personally inhabit, I always represent it, I always uh, reference it based on uh, identities that I do. Yeah. So, like, if somebody was like, oh, well, hey, you being black is a turn-on for me, that's a turn-off for me, you know? Like, I know enough people who who fetishize black folks. Um, yeah, yeah. Where I, where I don't want to pay that in kind. But if that's something that works for you, I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong. No. It's just something that, it's just a, it's a limit for me. Yeah, I totally, I totally did not think about that. And I should have done. And, and I, I, then thank you for calling me out of that. So, um, no, but I think because we're gonna we're, let's go there because you're you're a black person a person of color. Um, how do you think like because you're a person of color and you've you you are you you have partners who have disabilities? How did how did the, how do you think those two things that experience of being a person of color and like the the experience of understanding kind of what being fetishized in negative ways is like? Do you think disability played in any of that, or does that does that question make sense? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I don't even know what the question is. Let me try again. Um, <laughs> I guess you know before I, I'll bring it back to I'll bring it back once I know what it is because it's not formed in my brain yet. But tell me a little bit about first before I do that. Tell me a little bit about like your partners that have disabilities and how that all came to be. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like currently right now I've. Um, like I do have partners who have, uh, um, disabilities with, uh, like both visible and invisible. Like I do have partners who like need to walk with a cane or need mobility assistance. Um, I've got, I've got partners, many partners with like chronic pain, you know? And a lot of that is, it didn't come about in any specific way. It's just, I meet people and I'm into people and, um, uh, I've got, partners who introduce me to other part to other people just uh i get recommended to a lot of people um and i don't really know that that's coming like i'll have a friend and all of a sudden that friend will shoot their shot and it's just like oh wow okay well i didn't know we were going to a romantic or sexual place but i'm okay with this only I mean, for me to find out <laughs> you know yeah. you know that my job is to flirt with you on the podcast so i need to tell you that of course they're going to go to that place with you of course well, what I would find out is that, like, some other more established partner was just like, hey, you should be talking to this guy. Hey, you should be fucking this guy. This guy that I'm fucking, he's pretty awesome. Like, 
you should also be fucking this person. It's like, oh, okay, well, I, I like that I come well recommended. I mean, I knew about you before I knew about you. Everybody was like, if you, have you have you heard about Kevin Patterson? I was like, I know the name, but I don't know who this person is. Like, tell me. So, and everybody in our sex educated community knows who you are. So you're kind of a big deal. Like, Oh, I realize you're hanging out in your house in like a, in like a tank top right now, just hanging out. But like, <laughs> I am hanging out. I mean, you're kind of a big deal. So, so oh, um, that, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> which is awesome, and that's sort of my job. So yay! Um, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad that your I'm glad that your partners like were are recommending you. That's kind of cool, though. I'm down for yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I got a lot of good people around me, and I'm always really happy about that. So what was it like when you when when you started encountering these partners with disabilities? I know you're pretty open, you're pretty cool, but did you have a moment of like, oh, how do I how do I how do I manage this? Um, my moment for how do I manage this is sort of the same with everybody, and it's it's just a matter of like, how do you like to be touched? How do you like to be handled? What can I do to support? You know, like if it's it, it could be as simple as. Hey, there's a there's a spot with it. There's a spot here on my body that does not work for me. Steer clear of that spot. You know, sometimes that's what it is, and other times it's okay. Someone's always coming over, and I know they've got like some access issues. Let me move stuff around to make sure that that's not an issue. You know, let me make sure that it's not a problem when they get here. It's so funny because a lot of people they wouldn't think about that. Like, they wouldn't consider those things because access is so. Access is presumed to be a universal thing, and and when you see somebody with an access need, especially if they have like, n- if they're not using a wheelchair and they have like a more invisible or temporarily invisible disability, then it's like hard to see that. So the fact that you're already moving stuff around because you know is kind of sweet. Yeah, and it's it's not something that comes uh, innately, really. Um, now we have, we have a colleague. Um, we have a colleague, um, uh, Rachel Rose. Hi, I just spoke to her this morning. We're doing great things. I'm excited about what we're doing. Yeah, I yeah, Rachel's fantastic. And like I've been, there was a moment where Rachel and I would never. Like, we we live in the same local area, but we would never see each other here. We always see each other all over the country at different events. But like once I got to know Rachel better, what I would find out is that. Uh, with her having sit sensitivities, that's a that's a, a a consistent issue for her. And like because she's a friend and she's someone I care about, I started noticing that. Like today we are at uh we are at the um the the graduation the college graduation for um for uh, Rebecca Rebecca Hiles the Frisky Fairy uh, who wrote the book um it's called Polyamory coming out about your non monogamous relationships co wrote that book. We were at that um, that graduation, and I'm sitting around waiting for Rachel to arrive, holding a seat, thinking like, "What am I doing in terms of like I, I knew Rachel was going to be there. What kind of body wash am I going to be using as I get ready to go to this event?" Uh, I'm sitting in the crowd, like noticing smells in a way that I didn't notice, say, two, three, four years ago. Only because I know this is going to be something that Rachel has to contend with. Let me think about that. Like, if we were sitting in an area where somebody was wearing, like, the heaviest of perfumes, maybe I'd say something to our group before Rachel arrived and said, like, okay, but maybe we should leave that far seat open for Rachel versus this seat right here where there's a scent problem, you yeah. know? So just 
just being around people and seeing what people have to contend with, listening to their stories and and working around that as best you can. Like that's been my that's been my thing for the last few years, and I'm I'm trying. It ain't perfect, and it ain't it's not an innate thing. It's it's learning to do better, like learning, knowing better, and then doing better. Totally, and I, I think you're right. How how do you think that kind of philosophy of like learning and doing better? Does that translate for you when it comes to your partners and like fucking around and like getting naked and all those things? Oh yeah, one hundred one hundred percent. Like I said, I've got a lot of partners with uh, with with chronic pain, and sometimes that's a back issue, sometimes that's a leg issue, um, you know, sometimes that's limited range of motion, you know, and knowing that going in and figuring that out going in, that's a big deal, and like real talk, the bar is low. Uh, and I say this a lot because, like, like, like you said, I come, I come, I, you, I come highly recommended. A lot of people know me from a lot of places, but part of the reason is because the bar is low, and I work my ass off to clear it. So, just knowing what my partners need and and not having to ask them every single time, like, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? Oh, I remember that you have this pain. That's that goes a long way. You know what? That would get that would get you in that would get you in my pants. Like right there. I mean, because like it's 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 a, there's a lot of emotional energy to like. Oh, I gotta explain to this guy again what I need, and I have to and I have to ask him, and I don't want to be I don't want to feel like a burden. So a lot of the time, you don't tell the person yeah. that you like about the thing you really need because it's not sexy or cool to be like, hey, I have an access need right now. And so the fact that you are taking the steps to like actively try even if you like even if it doesn't happen every time if you if you're trying i think that's a big deal and and like i i get it it's not always the easiest thing it's not always the funnest thing but if you care about somebody you can work at it you know you can work at it and make it a standard thing and it, it should be a standard thing um how do you do you ever get the sense like we were just talking about do you ever get the sense that your partner's don't want to share that stuff with you like did you have you ever gotten the sense that they didn't want to tell you about their actress needs and you had to like keep asking them or um i actually just had a a, a conversation about that recently um where a, a partner was telling me about their about their needs uh they were telling me about oh they've told me about their needs and it's something that i check in on because i know that it shifts where like the you know the pain might be on the left side today it might be on the right side the next day or you know the next week and just me making it my responsibility to uh to 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 check in and make sure i know where where my hands are going and so on uh they 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 stopped me at some point and said like hey it's you know it's really it was really valuable to them about how cool i was about it or you know about how chill i was about it like i didn't make it a big deal i wasn't a problem i just did what i did and um and checked in and they said that like part of the reason why they were it was so valuable to them is because they don't like talking about it in general um they don't like they don't want to have to have that conversation knowing full well that there are people who are who would who would say like oh wow you've got this need you've got this issue you've got this problem you've got this disability i'm out of here so like to have a to have a partner who is just like oh okay cool disability I got you what do I got to do all right cool I got it you don't yeah, have to like, tell me again if somebody if if you and I were on a date <laughs> if you and I were on a date and you said that to me I'd be like what the, who 
who is this person? What the fuck just happened? Like, what? what? This isn't about... And I, my, I would give you, I'd be giving you, like, cut eye the whole night, being like, why are you okay with this? When is the other shoe going to drop? And at what point do I have to, like, start screaming ableism because you're an asshole? Like, that, I would be waiting for that to happen. And, yeah. Because, no, it does take a lot of, like, it takes a lot of guts to be like, here's my deal. And, you know, you're expecting, you're always waiting for the other person to be like, oh, I can't deal with your shit, I'm out. So, like, I think it's probably a little bit more scary that you're so cool with it you're like, I don't know how to deal with this. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that, I find that that's been, that's been a problem with how I'm, how I'm received. Like, I don't make, I don't say this like as a value judgment, but like, I really, I'm really not a detail oriented person. I don't carry in a lot of expectations. Um, when I'm with somebody, like, I don't care what we're doing. If it's like, Hey Kev, let's go to a movie. Cool. Hey Kev, let's, you know, let's sit outside. Let's sit outside a museum and blow bubbles. Cool. Whatever it is, I'm cool. okay with is it. That I don't what we're doing. Cause I want, uh, Hey, let's I'll blow bubbles. Let's do that. Yeah. And because I'm so relaxed about so many aspects of relationships and, and partnerships, People don't know always how to take me. They eat, sometimes people take me as not caring, which isn't the case. And sometimes people are, wait, like you said, waiting for that other shoe to drop. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough, it's tough to like figure it out. And it's like, I, am, I, I, I love the idea of somebody being chill and cool like you're saying, but the reality would scare the fuck out of me because I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. You're too calm. Like, you should be having palpitations about my disability right now and you're not and that's weird yeah i've got the emotional range of a teaspoon i don't i don't get too high or too low i don't run too hot or too cold really about about anything the only thing that ever really pisses me off are like my kids because you know i i've got to say the same things over and over and over and over because they're kids other than that like i don't really get too too angry or too sad or too super happy about really anything. I'm just chilling and and it it allows me to be sort of like the chill spot for my relationships. I'm um I'm all of my partner's least least uh, lowest maintenance uh least involved relationships and I'm I'm good being there. I'm I'm okay with this. I mean, that's a cool spot to be, like the chill the chill spot. I like that. Um how does, how do you think, like, how do you think that polyamory plays into disability and relationships for you? Um, the, I think it's, a, for, for me, it's a matter of knowing that, uh, that I've got a place to be in my relationships where, like, some, like, some of my partners do have disabilities and while I'm all good with that, I know that they might drain some of my emotional bandwidth faster than somebody else. And that may, you know, and, and if that's the case, like, all right, well, but I know that I have another relationship that's not going to drain my emotional, uh, emotional energy in the same way. So like I can spend 12, I, I can spend 12 hours with somebody that I know is going to be a little draining on me, but that's cool because I got, I, I'm going to have three hours with somebody else later and I don't have to feel like, um, I don't feel like I need to make a decision on who I should or shouldn't be with. I can be with both. 
You know, I can do both things and I can I can take care of both partners in the way both partners need. Yeah, I'm just curious. You mentioned that you used the word draining, um, which kind of caught my attention for a second. I was like, oh, okay. So, like, ha, and, you know, it, so many partners don't want to talk about stuff because they don't want to have you feel that way. Do you bring up, like, with your partners that have disabilities? Like, when they, like, hey, I'm here for you, I support you, but this is taking a lot of my emotional energy? Because I don't think we talk about, like, with non-disabled partners who we're with, the the toll that our... I don't want to say toll, like, we're, like, like it's so hard for our able-bodied partners because that sounds weird, but I mean, like... Yeah, I just I mean, that. like, I mean, like, the the mental energy that it does take caring about somebody with complex disabilities or different levels of disabilities, like... Do you have discussions about that with your partners? Um, I'm I've got a lot of bandwidth for a lot of people, so I find like I don't need to have specific conversations. And I'm not saying that those conversations should shouldn't exist in certain contexts. But for me, a lot of it is it just ends up since I'm not particularly responsible for anybody, other than like other than like my wife and my kids. Um, being that I'm not particularly responsible for anybody, I don't feel like I need to say, hey, I can't do this right now. It's usually just, I'm going to see somebody maybe a, you know, a few times a month. And hmm, I'm trying to trying to find a way to, I'm trying to make sure I'm saying this, saying this properly. All right, you can just I, say it. No, I mean, I, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm being clear. Like, I'm not trying to like hedge. Uh, I know that if I have so so much bandwidth, I know who I, I know that like I can set my dates in a way that I'm not like wearing myself completely out. Yeah. But because because I have a lot of bandwidth and nobody's expecting anything more from me, not many of my partners are expecting more out of me than they're than they're they're getting. It's not a conversation that we have to like specifically sit down and have. Like I don't have to say. Hey, I can't see you because it's just they know they weren't gonna. They they know that the chances of seeing me weren't always high. So, so if like if a week gets skipped, they weren't expecting the week not to be skipped. If that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. So I think just to clarify what you're saying, like unlike say this idea of relationships where it's one person and the other person and they have to be together forever and that's it. Because of polyamory, you're allowed to have a breather. Both parties are allowed to kind of have a breather from each other and not... Because I think when we talk about disability relationships, like unilateral relationships, like one, two people who are going to be together forever, there's this pressure on both sides of like, oh my God, I have to take care of you for all of time and I have to like yeah. make sure you survive and if I don't do that, then I'm a bad person and if if I have an ableist moment that I'm an asshole and oh my god, whereas it sounds yeah. like for you with polyamory and the way you've set it up, like, you can be there for them X amount of time a week and then, then you, they can go live their life and you can live your life. Yeah, yeah, where um, um, uh, a, a partner of, a partner of mine uh, a partner of mine just informed me that like a partner of theirs, a metamor of mine um, is having like some, some health problems and and like my, my like our shared partner is going to be there trying to like ho hold them down with their health problems, and when they need a place to be, they when they need a place to be where they're not worrying about those health problems, I can be that place, you know. 
they can show up to me and we can like we can hang out and go watch you know go watch movies watch game of thrones hang out for a bit and i can give them some respite for a bit and then they can go back to where they need to be helping their other partner with those problems with with those health issues like i can i can be that you know i can i can be their 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 time away from from responsibility and i like the connection between like care and disability and like respite and how all of those things are kind of handled within polyamorous relationships and how like they really assist that they help each thing helps the other thing be a thing you know what i mean each thing makes yeah care helps you being there for one person helps the other person have respite which helps you have community which helps everybody feel okay so yeah like it really feels like from this conversation that like disability and polyamory really do go hand in hand because they can the one person isn't pressured with all the things yeah like um like uh, a pair of my part a pair of my partners who both have disabilities were dating one another up until very recently and at one point like one of them needed to sort of like they were they were having some friction one of them needed to get away for a while so they came to me and they hung out they hung out with me for for a bit and like you know till things settled down they were able to have like you know more reasonable and more healthy conversations with one another but like realistically if the other partner had said if the partner who didn't come over had said hey kev I need a place to be. Can you hold me down for a couple, you know, for 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 a little while until things settle down? That would have been just as fine. Like, I don't mind being who my partners need me to be because, like, I get so much out of my relationships that, like, I'm not over here. Um, I don't like, like I said, I don't carry a whole lot of expectations. I don't ask for a ton out of my out of my relationships. I'm not making that a judgment decision. I'm just wired to be very low maintenance in that way I think low maintenance is good when you're a non-disabled partner of a of a disabled partner too because like disability whether you want it to or not is high maintenance all the time you know even if you don't want it to be there's a lot of things you got to do so like I in my head am low maintenance and I'm chill but in real life I'm I require yeah. like I require all the things so to know that you're a place where your high maintenance partners can go to your high maintenance disabled partners can go to chill is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that's the responsibility that I have um, to my partners. Like, everybody's, everyone always wonders, what do I do? Uh, like, what do I add to a relationship? What what value do I do I provide to my partners? And I feel like just being a partner. Um, that doesn't add to the emotional burden of my other partners for the most part is the responsibility that I have. Like my, some of the people that I, some of the, some of the people that I, that I date are just like shocked that things go as easily as they do when they're with me. Like, wait a minute, we're just hanging out watching TV and this is great. We're not arguing. I don't understand. I mean, when are we going on a date is my next question. <laughs> um, so no, okay. you live in my favorite city. Andrew. I mean, well, you're gonna have to come to Toronto. We're gonna have to fight it. We're gonna have to have a discussion about sports ball that I know nothing about. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, how does? How do you think your? How? What was your reaction to like your partners with disabilities when it came to like t- 
time for like sexy times. Like how did you? Because I know that partner people who I've spoken to with chronic pain and people who I've spoken to with various disabilities on the show have been like, yeah, sex and disability for me and my partners can be both awesome, but it can also be awkward. How is it for you as a partner of disabled people trying to navigate sex? Um, it's for the most part, it's been pretty great, and it's it's simply it, for me. It's just been a matter of saying like, hey. What is it that you need? What is it that you're looking for? How do you like being touched? And then, and then being positive about the answer, whatever the answer is. Uh, like if somebody says like, "Hey, you know, this is my pain." Okay, cool. I can avoid that. This, you know, like, "Hey, this is a this is where you this is where I want where I want you and how I want you to touch me." Cool, I can do that. Uh, I have trouble. I have trouble coming. I have trouble climaxing or I, you know, I climax an awful lot when you do the specific thing. Cool. You know what, whatever it is, like I'm, I like having no expectations is the most freeing thing ever. Like I don't, you know, I don't expect anything out of my partners. Like I don't expect to, like I don't go into a sexual situation saying I'm going to get these things done. It's, it'll happen or it won't. I just want to make sure that I'm having a good time and they're having a good time. Everything else is great. Everything else is just details. How did you get to, like, I'm curious, how did you get to this place where, like, you seem really chill, way chiller than I, like, ever thought you would ever seem, um, which is nice, and which is, like, giving me emotional boners in ways that I can't explain right now. Um, <laughs> but, like, I'm curious, how did you get to a place where you got, where you were so relaxed? Like, what, how? Um, okay, so I, I mentioned, uh, I, re- I mentioned Rebecca Hiles, Frisky Fairy, uh, earlier, uh, earlier in this conversation. Yeah. Um, so, a few months before I had met her, I was dating somebody who had a lot of partners and like multiple grad school majors and multiple jobs, and just didn't have the time. Like I like there was somebody who I would see once a semester, and for the most part, that was okay. But like for some, like uh, I just started wanting more out of my relationship with this person. Like I felt really great about being with them. I really, I really enjoyed being with them. Uh, I love very freely. And although I didn't have the time to actually say, I love you face to face with this person. Like I was there, you know? And, but we had such limited time together that it became frustrating and resentful. And it, uh, and it led it led to a breakup. So then I meet uh, I meet Rebecca a few months later. Like I, at this point, I was like, all right, I'm done dating. I'm done. Like I, I'm done dating for a while. I need to get my head on straight. And for a few months, that was great. I run into Rebecca, and Rebecca has the same amount of partners and the same amount of jobs and the same limited amount of uh, availability as as this partner who I had this breakup with. And I told myself, like, you know what? I'm not going to put any expectations on this. I'm just going to, I'm going to dedicate, I'm going to, basically, it's going to be awesome when we get time together. We're going to try to make time for each other. It'll be awesome when we can make time for each other. And that's it. That's the only thing I'm committing to. Trying to make time and trying to make that time awesome. That's it. And it worked. And it worked in a really amazing way. And that just became my mantra for every relationship after that. Like, the only thing I'm going to do is dedicate to trying to make time and trying to make that time awesome. And everything else is just details. That's amazing. I mean, I guess I'm asking you because as a disabled person, I 
because I've been let down so much in a lot of my relationships with like friendships and like people that I'm fucking and people that I get naked with and like now yeah. I, now like I work predominantly with sex workers which is great and awesome because like there's a very inset clear like clear level of boundaries there which is which is both great and also kind of like horrible at the same time in a weird yeah. way but like it's set so I know what it is but like when it comes to all other relationships I have such a high level of expectation from everyone because I've been let down so much like so I, I guess what yeah. I'm what I'm wanting to learn is like how do, like what advice would you give to someone like me who expects a lot but doesn't want to expect anything and wants to just be like oh whatever like how do you how how can I not expect so much um I think it's it, for, it, for me and and maybe for you and you can make that decision on your own uh it's just a matter of sort of coming up with like the limited ba- like the the minimum amount of what would make an interaction a positive interaction um for me it's just it's time you know i i like spending time with the people I, i'm with like I've, I've had partners where the majority of our partnership was um like like i had a partner for for several years where I, most of us getting together was her playing playstation and me messing around on my phone but we were on a couch sitting next to each other while doing it and that worked for me. I was I was fine with that. I just mean, being you the know thing. what? That's actually the that's actually a fantastic disabled date because we don't have to do it. We don't have to do this big elaborate thing. Sometimes all you want to do is sit in the couch and look at your phone, but be with the person in the room doing that. And for a lot of disabled people, that's like what that's like a really accessible option. Yeah, and like every once in a while, we'd order some food, and like every once in a while, we would fuck. Like, but, but a lot of it was just hanging out you're playing playstation i'm you know i'm i'm on my laptop or on my phone i'm having five conversations on on facebook messenger while you know someone's watching a movie that's like for me just time around the person that i'm with is the expectation is is the maximum uh maximum i would need for or the minimum i would need for a positive interaction and what that looks like for you could be something completely different so I'm not setting up somebody to fail. I'm not setting. Uh, I'm not setting somebody up to fail. Where if somebody decides they want to spend some time with me, and they're like, "Okay, I'm going to spend time with Kevin, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be that, and we're going to do these things together, and this is how it's going to go." If they've got ten different expectations and we reach seven of them, then we failed. You know, then there's there's three things that they ha- they had to feel frustrated and resentful about. Whereas my, my, my expectations are, let's get together, let's not fight. Basic I mean, stuff. I mean, that's an awesome way to be. Just, I don't, I, I'm still kind of gobsmacked how you've, like, cultivated this, like, su- this, because I am high maintenance to the nth degree. So, like, so, so, like, the fact that you've cultivated this, this culture of, like, I'm going to be chill no matter what is kind of refreshing. Yeah, this is uh, this is me at my at my most Dumbledore. I mean, Dumbledore's Dumbledore's my jam. I'm all about it. Um, yeah. Do you have any other stories or anecdotes about working? Working sounds weird. About being with disabled partners, and any of that stuff. I think I just I think I spilled it all. I like that tea. I like it. Um, <laughs> were there any like moments that your partners? Were with you that were hard for you or for them or anything like that stuff or no? 
Um, yeah, yeah. I where uh, I, I find like the the most difficult parts are when there's like a combination of some physical thing with some mental thing. Um, I've got partners who are like really high anxiety or you know with with one brand of mental illness or another and and sometimes those things coincide sometimes like you know pain you know, sometimes pain triggers anxiety or vice versa and me being again me being me being really relaxed about everything sometimes comes across as me not caring and I know that I always I know that I've got to be the steady heartbeat in the room and sometimes my partners need me to freak out with them and yeah I'm not, like I if we if there was an accessibility issue or an anxiety thing or I was having anxiety over ableism or, or my perceived ableism that you would have or something before we fucked I'd want you to freak out with me because like you being calm would freak me out yeah yeah and that it, it, like I said, it, it comes across as, as not caring. Um, like I've I've had I've had a, a a partner broke up with me once, and I respected their autonomy to the point where I was like, I'm not gonna chase this person down and fight for them. I'm not gonna convince them to want me if they've made a decision to not want me. And that's what they wanted. They wanted me to like be like. They wanted me to be down on my knees begging you please to come back home. And I was respecting and for me I'm like, I'm respecting your autonomy. You decided you don't want to be here. I respect that. If you change your mind, I would love to be back with you. But they they took it as me not caring, me not wanting. And that's sort of something I've gotta like be wary of. Yeah, yeah, I mean I mean so like and I, I think I can totally see why your partner would want, like, because we've been we've been fed these stories of, like, big romance means you have to do all these gestures. Because you're like, I'm here, but, like, yeah. you don't have to do this thing, and it's okay. Yeah, like, even, I remember in that in that situation, even me, t- like, telling them I love them in that point felt like I was trying to manipulate them into into making a decision that was different from the decision they had already made for themselves. Luckily, luckily, like most of, like most of my breakups though, uh, go really smoothly. Uh, and this was and this was no different. Where eventually they were just like, "Hey, uh, we're broken up, but like, can we talk?" And now me and that person are back together. But like, we had to have a long conversation about what that looked like because, like I said, they they felt they felt like I they felt like I was being dismissive of the situation when really it was me not trying to manipulate them into making decisions they weren't trying to. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so like, you being you being so calm does have its moments of, like, toughness, I guess, because, like... But you mentioned a minute ago, and one of the things that I was... As you were talking, you said, like, you know, you have to be the, the steady heartbeat in the room. Do you feel any pressure in doing that for your disabled partners? Like, is... I know, you're, I know you know how to stay calm and be chill, but, like inside your like mental self is there like oh my god i have to be calm even though i'm freaking out there was something you were something you said earlier about about uh about like it's a benefit to being to being low maintenance as the able-bodied partner i had like that's something i always have to keep in mind where it's like they like it's there's some pressure to like me having to be the, the 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 steady heartbeat 
but they're they're going through something that I'm not going through. You know, that's a privilege that I have that they don't, and that's something I've got to make sure that I'm I'm leveraging to the benefit to their benefit and also to my own. You know, so if somebody's freaking out and they kind of need me to freak out, like. Yeah, it might increase my responsibility to, to, to not freak out with them. But I have to understand, like, yo, you're, you're dealing with something. You're dealing with something and, I, and you're going to need you're going to need to process through that in a way that's not going to be helped by my flipping out with you. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm also curious because you have a number of partners with varying disabilities. Like, I know that for, for non-disabled partners with partners with disabilities, that can sometimes feel like a lot for them. Um and because it's like it can be a lot sometimes and so do you feel like how, do you feel like you gotta like put a list of like okay this partner has this this partner has this I have to be aware of this like how do you keep that all straight or do you I mean at, at the at the start maybe like I have to like keep that to bear in mind like but no different than no different than anybody else like where like there there's an able-bodied partner who uh who doesn't like to be choked there's an able-bodied partner who doesn't like their hair pulled there's an able-bodied partner who you know who uh who um who doesn't like um some like it doesn't like some of the language i use you know and at first like it's it's a it's something you got to remain cognizant of but eventually it's like all right well i know this person i know what i have to do and i can just set that up you know i without without um having to spend too much thought on it. Like, it just becomes second nature. It's riding a bike. If you need a disabled partner who likes to be choked, have their hair pulled, and use dirty words, let me know. Um, I'm, I'm always looking for a stunt butt as I, I, mean, I learn how to do impact stuff. Just come to Toronto. We'll figure shit out. It'll, I have yeah, it. we will. Accessibility is happening. It's totally fine. <laughs> what, have you, what do you think you've learned from your disabled partners just as a... Both as a as a man and as and also as like a polyamorous person. Like, what have you? What have you? Because we have so many we have so many questions when it comes to disability, and people are always ask the same one. Like, how do you have sex? Can you have sex? Like, yeah. What, so, what are the things about disability that you've learned that you didn't know before until you started engaging in this? Um, it it gave me it gave me a lot more patience for strangers, because like when you have partners who who have invisible disabilities you know you you learn what they have to do to manage and then all of a sudden you see people around managing the same way and it, instead of them instead of them looking like the inconvenient person in front of you at the uh, online at the convenience store they're a person who has that same disability or you're or they or even if they aren't that they're somebody who deserves the same amount of patience and respect so there's there's a lot of that. Like it's it's given me more room to uh, to just understand that like everybody's going through something, something everybody's dealing with something, and it's not my place to judge. If I have the wherewithal and the bandwidth to be patient in society, I can, I can, and I should. That's awesome. Um, do you have any advice for? non-disabled sexual or long-term or polyamorous partners of disabled people or somebody who's like hey i think that disabled person's really hot and i'm afraid to do this thing do you have any like words of wisdom for them on how to like get over that fear or how to deal how to talk about that i like jumping face first into things like i i understand how awkward things can be 
And before, like, I don't wait for the awkwardness to go away. I, 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 I jump face first and... Oh, no, and, you're an awkward person, and I can, tell from, I, can, I can tell that from this conversation, which I love, but I can tell it right away. Yeah, I'm... I, I'm I, I can I can be really awkward, I can be really shy, but I pretend to do the things that I think brave people do and and I can I can I can pass for brave at times. So like I, I jump in and just like and the words I like to use a lot are like, Can I flirt with you? or maybe we can do something sometime. You know, just things that are really non committal uh Things that allow people to back away if, if backing away is what they want to do, and then let you know, and then let uh, let let the the other person take the next step. So like if I'm like, hey Andrew, maybe we can do something sometime. If you're not interested, you can be like, all right, maybe. Or if you are interested, you can say, come to Toronto and let's make this happen. I mean, you, what the audience listening doesn't know is I've been flirting with Kevin for like a good a good six months so yes my answer to that question is yes you can and yes we will um um with it but <laughs> nobody wants to listen to us flirt with each other for the next for the next 20 minutes but um <laughs> this was i really enjoyed this conversation and it was just fun to it was fun to sit and talk with you because it wasn't like i didn't have five questions written out i just like to have a chat with you and it was kind of chill that way um, yeah so i appreciate that how can well first of all any last parting words you want to say about things um listen to people i mean in in case anybody here doesn't already know that and maybe you've got the uh, your audience is is probably pretty astute but like i always say like listen to people with marginalized identities listen to them they know what they're talking about they know what their lives are like and and you can learn a whole lot just by listening to not you know without like without attempting to debate or discredit. Totally. And I think that is where I'm going to end it. Um, how do people get a hold of you? Um, I'm Poly Role Models on everything. I'm Poly Role Models on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, also Tumblr, even though, like I said, I haven't really updated my blog in a couple of months. I mean, uh, RIP Tumblr, RIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah you ain't wrong. Um, also... My my books are available um, uh, on uh, Love's Not Colorblind is available in certain stores. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's available as an audiobook on Audible, which is super accessible for those of you who have trouble reading books. Because I that's how I listen to it. And if look, look Kevin's voice will get you excited in all the ways during that when you oh. listen. Because yes, I will flirt with you. I don't fucking care. <laughs> yes, I will. It's really good. And, I mean, he, it talks a lot about race and polyamory, but it also intersects with a lot of what we're talking about here today. So, seriously, pick it up. Like, use that Audible credit. It's worth your time. Absolutely. Um, uh, the other book, uh, For Hire Operator, it's available um, as, an, as a paperback through uh, Amazon. It's available as an ebook basically everywhere. We've been working on trying to get the audiobook together, uh, we've had some we've had some issues with performers deciding not to uh, like basically life happened and the performers for the audiobooks that we had uh, had to drop out unexpectedly. We're still working on it. We want to get that done hopefully within the next couple of months, but I, I I got no promises there. But as soon as it's available, I'm gonna let everybody know it's available because 
I'm excited about it as much as anybody else. I think it's such a cool idea. Like, I think it's so long overdue and so needed. And, like, everybody needs to support. We just need, you know what? We just need to support intersectionality in whatever way that looks like. And we need to stop using it as a buzzword and start making it, like, what the world is. Because that's what the world is. Whether you're disabled, whether you're a person of color, whether you're trans, non-binary, or whether you're all those things in one, we need to fucking support each other at the end. Like, that's it. That's it. Um... This was such a fun chat, and thank you for taking the time today, and I'm going to say some inappropriate things to you off the air, but um, thanks. It was a good time. <laughs> all right. Take it easy. Bye. All right, all right. That's it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kevin Patterson. I'm just jumping in on the outro to say, do not forget about your Minnesota possibilities. In 10 days from now, it will be October 6th, which means that you will be hearing, hopefully, Minnesota 27 in this show and the Minnesotas are where you send in your stories and we read them back to you and this month I want to hear about your experiences with care and attending care or because it's October and it will be October and I want to hear about your experiences as a disabled person that scared you so send in those letters or those voice memos if that's more accessible to you Send those to me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Flood that inbox and let's get the next Minnesota set up. Thanks, friends. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate it that you all listen and that you come back every week and I love doing it and I love shining a bright light on these topics so thank you if you want to follow my work you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings some cool videos I've been in and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks and if you want to hire me to talk you can do so there as well if you want to follow me on the social media you can Put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at the Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that. And I, I will give you a shout out on the air and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. New episodes of Disability After Dark will be available every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Also available to Patreon subscribers one day early on every Wednesday. 
Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019